Hi, welcome to episode 629 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott. And people ask me all the time what I'm going to do now that the Fantastic Forecast is ending. Well, I've saved up all my money that I've made from doing the show, and I'm just going to buy a yacht and travel the world. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today is Fantastic Four, Volume 5, Number 12, released on October 29th, 2014. East of Eden, Part 4, by James Robinson and Leonard Kirk. So we start with Johnny Storm wearing a t-shirt that says Howard the Duck for President. Keep in mind that this doesn't refer to the comic book storyline. This refers to real life because in the Marvel Universe, Howard the Duck really did run for president in 1976. But his campaign was derailed by a doctored photo of Howard the Duck in a bathtub with a woman. Ooh, how quaint. It's not exactly I like to grab him by the pussy, but in 1976, it was scandalous. He looks rather uncomfortable, Johnny does, as we see that he's hanging upside down on one of Spider-Man's web lines. Next, we see Spider-Man looking down at him, joined by the insufferably sanctimonious Wyatt Wingfoot, with his arm in a sling from the arrow wound last issue. Wyatt is confused that it seems Johnny has taken leave of his senses even though we really haven't seen Johnny doing anything that bad other than going to nightclubs and hanging out with women. Big deal. And then there's a flashback to five minutes ago in the nightclub, Johnny is surrounded by women and other fans and he's telling a story about Galactus and how he was wondering what Galactus had on under that skirt that he used to wear. When a couple of web lines hit Johnny in the back, and they pull him away. And then Spider-Man hangs him from a flagpole where we started the issue. And then these two assholes torture, they decide to torture Johnny by just leaving him hanging there. He says he's not afraid of heights, but he does have a few drinks in him, and that might be a problem for the people on the street below. Wyatt goes into this, into this spiel about Johnny being lost and wasting his life. He says that he, he and the She-Hulk have been looking into recent events that have befallen the Fantastic Four, and they don't think that the events are not unrelated. Did that make sense? They think the events are related. I guess that's the better way to say it. So they pull up Johnny and they talk him all, out, on the, out on the roof. They talk him onto the roof. They talk, him, they talk to him on the roof about Wyatt's suspicions, that someone with a lot of money is pulling the strings and putting the FF through the ringer. Oh, well, that's surprising. You know, normally, rich people are usually so nice. Why would a rich person be such an asshole? But someone opened that portal in the Baxter building and framed Ben and had the kids taken away. It's a big conspiracy. Isn't everything a conspiracy nowadays? And then there's the mystery of Hawkeye from the Heroes Reborn world, who's in police custody. He looks like Clint Barton, from the normal universe. But the real Hawkeye is out there with the Avengers doing Avengers stuff, you know, 
Avengering, Wyatt seems to remember something about the universe that Franklin created, the Heroes Reborn universe, which is where those creatures came from that took away Johnny's powers in the first place. All this talk is getting through to Johnny, and now he's amped up about doing something and helping the rest of the family, powers or no powers. So later, Johnny decides to head to Rikers Island to pay a visit to Ben Grimm in prison. Oh, and I just remembered. You remember that argument that Ben and Johnny had like early in the run? Well, that comes up again, and uh, Ben still doesn't want to speak to Johnny, or so he says. But then Johnny asks, are you still mad at me? Not at you so much no more, Ben replies. I, I guess that means, no, he's not mad at him anymore. So you love me again, buddy? Maybe. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's more than maybe. Johnny tells Ben he thinks he was framed and that the puppet master's dead body, well, that went missing. Which is always a bad sign. There's already, there's always chicanery when a dead body get, <laughs> dead body goes missing. But Johnny needs Ben's help. He needs him out of that prison. Later we see Ben go up to Sandman in the yard. We learn that Ben has been sending Christmas presents to Sandman's daughter for years, even though Ben won't admit it. You bored with this dump? Feel like breaking out? Ben asks. Thought you'd never ask. Next, we go back to Latveria, right after Doctor Doom's battle with the Invisible Woman, with Doom and Valeria standing there looking down at the wreckage caused by Sue. Doom asks, What's up? Kinda, you know, not really. Kinda says what up. And Valeria says that she's reached a decision to go home to her parents. If her mom is infected with malice, then she may need Valeria's help. I think what Sue needs is a good psychiatrist. And a good lawyer. Doom tells her it's okay to go. Rebuild your family. I'll be fine. Latveria will be fine. Well, Doom sounds mis uncharacteristically chipper. He must have gotten laid the night before. So after Valeria leaves, in a green, in a bunch of green narration boxes, we see some of some of Doom's thoughts, and he's thinking to himself, "I have to admit, your three-year-old's naivete was starting to get tiresome." Three years old, three years old. She was three years old back during the Hickman run. And Volume 4 took place over a period of an entire year. No way is she still three years old. Four, maybe, but I was thinking she was five. We continue to see his thoughts as he walks down the castle uh, corridors. He thinks, I'm not sure how much longer I could have kept my real plans from you. Altruism, compassion, Neither are words in the lexicon of Dr. Doom. That's kind of bullshit. Doom thinks that being a dictator, he is being altruistic and showing compassion for his people by having them live under his authoritarian rule. He doesn't think of himself as evil. He thinks of himself as good. It's a very Trumpian lack of self-awareness. While pretending to help the world, he's been setting into motion a series of machinations to help him gain the ultimate control over the world. Thank you, Valeria, he says. You helped give me the world. Or perhaps, worlds. <laughs> Back on New Eden, the floating island slash scientific utopia in Lake Michigan, 
Hard to call anything in Lake Michigan a utopia. Reed has some questions about that portal that opened up in the Baxter Building back in issue 1 of volume 5, and he pays a visit to Mr. Eden to ask him about it. Of course, Mr. Eden is going to turn out to be the bad guy, right? I mean, that was about as obvious as Kevin Spacey's sexual preference. Mr. Eden doesn't seem like he wants to talk about it. He says he has a dinner date. And with that, Reed friggin' flips out. Like, in a way that I've never seen Reed flip out before. Reed's body is all contorted and stretching out all over the place. He knocks over the desk, and he grabs Mr. Eden, and he screams, Stay there! Reed says he's done some research, and some of the bolts and other materials used by Reed to build that portal came from a company called Roundhouse Metals and Ores, which is a subsidiary of John Eden's larger company. Reed did more examining and found that the parts were laced with nanobots that self-destructed after opening that portal. And the energy that Eden has Reed trying to study, which he called kinetic energy, is actually some kind of dream energy which comes from the universe on the other side of that portal. Reed asks why he did this. John Eden replies, I have no idea. You see, I'm not John Eden. And then before he can reveal himself to be any one of our favorite villains that we love, which he's not, he is shot in the chest and, he, and he's killed because he was just a normal dude. And then this other guy who shot him, Reed's so-called assistant, Cully, reveals that he is the real John Eden. Well, that seemed like a completely unnecessary bit of subterfuge. And when Reed asks why he's done all this, John Eden replies, The answer is simple. I hate you. Well, there you go. You have to admire him for his simple Trumpian motivation. Hate. There you go. Iron Man, if you wouldn't mind, the real John Eden says, as Iron Man steps out of the shadows. He raises his hand. No idea what happened, really, but from the outside we see a big explosion on the side of the building. Of course, that's to be continued next time because that's the end of the issue, and now I've got six more issues to go. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes or find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say.